President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump won their respective primaries in New Hampshire yesterday. Joe Biden, due to a technicality, was actually a write in candidate and still easily won. We will talk first about the Republican primary, then the Democratic. So listen, the Republican primary is essentially over with the very remote exception possibility of if Trump whatever. If Trump is in prison, if Trump is dead, if Trump is deemed ineligible by every state, but it is essentially over. The results yesterday, very, very, very lopsided for Donald Trump, but slightly underperforming the polling. Trump ultimately winning by a little over 11 points, Trump 54, Nikki Haley 43. Remember that even though this is an 11 point gap, the polling had it closer to 19. So if you want to paint a rosy picture for Nikki Haley, it would be that she did better than the polling and thus she has momentum and thus South Carolina. It's basically all BS. Every indication is Trump is leading in every single remaining state, including Nikki Haley's home state of South Carolina. This all but seals this nomination for Donald Trump. The hypothetical of Nikki Haley somehow manages to win New Hampshire and then says, hey, it's one to one. Trump got Iowa. I got New Hampshire. Now we go to the next one. It's a wide open primary. That hypothetical has not come to fruition. Now, you can make the case that there are divisions within the Republican primary electorate, and there are. And we will look later at some of the specifics of those divisions. But one thing that is very interesting is that the divisions are more likely to hurt the eventual Republican nominee in the general election. Uh, And uh, that is also something that we will be discussing now for now. Nikki Haley says she's going to stay in the race in a little bit. We're going to look uh, at her. It's so funny. It's a concession speech, but It sounded like a victory speech. And at the very end, Nikki Haley goes, oh, and by the way, Trump won. But it sounded like a victory speech, which is strange and sort of interesting. And that's something that we're going to talk about as well. Um, When we look at some of the exit polling, we find a number of interesting things when it comes to the Republican uh, uh, exit polls. When it comes to gender, when it comes to gender, Trump did better with men. Nikki Haley did better with women when it comes to race. The numbers are pretty similar. Trump got 54 percent of the white vote and 59 percent of the non-white vote. The non-white vote is very small in New Hampshire. I think it's important to say Trump did increasingly less well with older voters. That's interesting. The youngest voters went more for Trump than for Haley and the oldest voters went more for Nikki Haley. Here is a very important exit poll data point. Trump got two thirds of those voters who did not graduate from college, but only 41 percent of those that did. Or to put it a different way, Trump did overwhelmingly better with non college graduates. Now, when I see that, that's a warning sign to me for the general election, because as it is, as it is, you tend to see more education correlate with voting for the more left wing candidate on the ballot, which, of course, would be Joe Biden in November, regardless of whether it's Trump or Nikki Haley. And uh, that is that's an Achilles heel. 
And many of those college graduates say, I'm not voting Trump under any circumstance. The less money you made, the more likely you were to vote for Trump, which doesn't really make sense since Trump's entire tax policy is one that is skewed and weighted towards the wealthier. Um, so that's another one of these conundra that we have um, in terms of ideology. The less conservative you were, the more likely you were to vote for Haley. Always interesting to see the evangelical vote. White evangelical Christians went 70 percent for Trump, whereas non white evangelical Christians only went 52 percent for Trump. Um, and in terms of issues that mattered, if you believed that immigration mattered the most, you overwhelmingly voted for Trump 78 percent. If you believe the economy is the most important issue, it was close to a 50 50 split. And among voters for whom abortion or foreign policy were the most important issue, they went close to two thirds for Nikki Haley over Donald Trump. Um, OK, let's now briefly look here at the Democratic primary where Joe Biden cruised to victory as a write in candidate because of a technicality. Uh, Joe Biden was a write in candidate. Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson were on the ballot and still Donald uh, Joe Biden rather got 52 percent of the vote. Dean Phillips got 20. There was 14 percent unprocessed write ins remaining as of this morning and Marianne Williamson got five percent. So it's quite interesting. I mean, listen, um, we probably should never hear from Dean Phillips again. This was his play. New Hampshire was his play. Joe Biden wasn't even officially on the ballot because of this technicality about which state goes first. And he still doubled the vote that Dean Phillips got. I don't understand the justification for for Phillips to stay in. He'll probably come up with something despite losing to a write in. But uh, it, it's it's essentially over. So when we think about of uh, Nikki Haley staying in, the only justification for Nikki Haley staying in at this point is the what if Trump can't scenario, meaning what if Trump is dead before November uh, or before the RNC officially selects their candidate? What if Trump is in prison and the Republican Party says, hey, you know what? This doesn't make any sense. Even if Trump were to be convicted and sentenced to prison, it is extremely difficult to imagine the timeline would allow for that before the Republican convention over the summer. Uh, but if you want to make the argument that Nikki Haley should stay in, despite the fact that she obviously won't win in terms of voting, it would be the what if Trump can't scenario. Here is Ronna McDaniel, the chairperson, chairwoman of the RNC, saying it's time for Nikki Haley to get out. Looking at the math and the path going forward, and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. I think she's run a great campaign, but I do think there is a message that's coming out from the voters, which is very clear. We need to unite around our eventual nominee, which is going to be Donald Trump, and we need to make sure we beat Joe Biden. It is 10 months away till the November election, and we can't wait any longer to put our foot on the gas to beat the worst president, to beat a president that's kept our borders open, allowed fentanyl to pour through. Fentanyl, also known to others as fentanyl. Um, listen, the <laughs> Ronna McDaniel is right that Nikki Haley, the numbers just don't work. She has no path to victory. And she is right that their primary concern should be how do they beat Joe Biden in November? Because I'll be very honest, stepping back from the polling, which you look at the polling, you say it looks good. It looks bad for Joe Biden, whatever. Stepping back from the polling, 
the economy is very solid and Trump has significantly less support from his own party this time around than he did in 2020 and he lost in 2020. So what Trump is up against is saying, I have less support than I did four years ago from my own party. I lost four years ago and somehow I need to figure out a way to win with a good economy for the incumbent president. That is a very difficult proposition. We'll talk about that more. I know not everybody sees that the way I do, but that is a significant uphill battle for for Donald Trump, no matter what the polls say. Let's now talk about Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley did this thing where after losing to Trump in New Hampshire last night, she walks out on stage to massive cheers and she sort of gives a we did it victory speech. And then at the very end, she goes, oh, and by the way, Trump won. By the way, Trump is the winner here. Now, good for Nikki Haley to the extent that she is actually now willing to talk about the Trump dementia situation, cognitive situation, whatever you want to call it. She very upfront in her speech again referred to Trump mistaking Haley for Nancy Pelosi just a few days ago. I do think that this is a smart thing for Haley to do, particularly at this time in the race. I do think it's also too little too late. You'll also hear someone in the back. This is very funny. Just listen and see if you hear. The other day, Donald Trump accused me of not providing security at the Capitol on January 6th. So there is a there is a woman in the audience with absolutely perfect comic timing who yelled, he's geriatric in that very short lull there. And and she actually did even more. Now, I've long called for mental competency tests for politicians over the age of 75. That same woman in that just I mean, the timing is perfect in that lull yells out politicians that don't wear depends, referring, of course, to the adult diaper. Incredible comic timing claims he'd do better than me in one of those tests. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But if he thinks that, then he should have no problem standing on a debate stage with me. Right. All right. More substantively, Nikki Haley also points out Trump's been a loser for our party and lover or hater policy, whatever. Nikki Haley is absolutely correct in her analysis. Here. With Donald Trump, Republicans have lost almost every competitive election. We lost the Senate. We lost the House. We lost the White House. We lost in 2018. We lost in 2020 and we lost in 2022. The worst kept secret in politics is how badly the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump. And then a perfectly timed Trump's a loser from a gentleman there. Really, actually quite a crowd that really knows how to interject. She's absolutely correct. And I was texting yesterday. I'll actually pull it up to get it exact. I was texting last night as the results were coming in with a friend of mine who is a uh, Nikki Haley supporter who will vote Biden if uh, if if uh, Trump is the nominee. And I said, what's the state of mind for the Nikki donors based on tonight? 
And he said, don't look up, referring, of course, to the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio film in which people are just ignoring reality and said, we have learned nothing. We have learned nothing. Uh, speaking about uh, uh, re Republicans, Nikki Haley appointing out that um, she is the one who is persevering here. There were 14 and now there are two and she is one of only two. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running and we were at 2% in the polls. Well, I'm a fighter. And I'm scrappy. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. And today we got close to half of the vote. Now, this is all true, but she really does not have a path to the nomination. And this is this is one of the things I hate about politics, which is that we all know the people in that room know we the viewers know Nikki Haley knows that she maybe can stick this out for one more primary. The conversation minutes before she comes out on stage, we all know is obviously do I get out tonight or do I get out tomorrow or do I get out after the next primary? That's the conversation. She knows it's over. Her supporters, everybody knows it's over. And yet we all have to suspend disbelief and pretend that last night was great and she has a path and she's scrapping. This is the worst of politics in the sense that everybody buys in to this delusion. The primary is over unless Trump is in prison or dead. And the D the RNC says, hey, you know what? Even if he got the delegates, we're going to nominate someone else at the convention because we can't have someone who's in prison. He's going to lose 80 percent of the country said they wouldn't vote for him. But we all have to kind of pretend that this is really a campaign that's continuing. It's not. And here is Nikki Haley, just almost like a footnote mentioning. And by the way, Trump did win tonight. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it. And I want to acknowledge that. Okay. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. Yeah. And it is. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. All right. So listen, Nikki Haley, she might get out in the next few days. She might stick it out for one more primary, but it is essentially over. And that is her pseudo victory speech, which was actually a concession speech. We're going to take a quick break. After the break, we will look at Trump's actual victory speech, a very ugly and disturbing speech. That's for sure. Our sponsor, Oxygen, is really the online banking app that you didn't know you needed. Oxygen has both personal and small business accounts. And what I find super compelling is they're geared towards entrepreneurs who want to turn some kind of side business into a full time business because Oxygen will incorporate your small business for you while separating your personal and business banking to make things like invoicing, payroll and taxes easier. You can get up to 5% cash back on business expenses, up to an impressive 6% on personal spending with their debit cards, which is amazing. And then on the personal banking side, Oxygen lets you send and receive money with your friends and family. 
using peer to peer payments, easy to split a bill, share expenses, send holiday gifts to your loved ones and having won several awards for their industry leading benefits, features and cash back. Oxygen is really the place to start and grow your business, and it's great for personal banking as well. With over 750,000 accounts opened, Oxygen is a trusted resource with some of the best rewards in the industry. Go to davidpackman.com slash oxygen to sign up for the account that works best for you or your business. The link is in the podcast notes. As many of you have heard me say before, when I go to a wine shop, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm Argentinian and I still know almost nothing about wine. So if you're like me, you might be able to use some help. Our sponsor Naked Wines has you covered. Naked Wines is a subscription service that will connect you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. You pay a fraction of the price you'd normally pay in stores because they cut out the retail middlemen. You get exclusive access to hundreds of top quality award winning wines. They get delivered however often you want. Perfect for any type of wine drinker. You'll get background information on the bottle. You have friends over. You can seem like you know something by telling them something about the wine. My girlfriend likes white wine. I'm more of a red guy by necessity just because I'm Argentinian, even though I know absolutely nothing. So we get like a split box that has a few bottles of each. Every bottle is a passion project from some independent winemaker. So you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. You'll get your first six bottles for thirty nine ninety nine. Go to nakedwines.com slash Pacman and click enter voucher at the top and type in Pacman as the code and as the password. That's nakedwines.com slash Pacman. Enter Pacman as the code and password. The info is in the podcast notes. Many of you have heard me talk about the hacking that I've dealt with in the past. Look up the statistics. If it hasn't happened to you, it still could at some point. Our sponsor Aura is the all in one solution that I use to keep all of our accounts safe. Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, email, password, social security number, and will alert you if it's found and will help you take steps to fix it. You'll get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura will monitor bank accounts and home and auto titles to help protect you against fraud. And Aura also will protect your actual devices from malware and scams with state of the art antivirus and a call screener. And Aura will help you manage what your kids can do on their devices with easy to use parental device controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there somewhere. It takes just a few seconds to use the Aura free trial to find that out. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show, of course, is an audience supported program. I would love it if you grabbed a membership on my website, joinpacman.com. There are copious membership benefits, including access to the daily bonus show. It's an extra show that we do every day, commercial free audio and video streams of the show, whether you prefer to watch or simply to listen, the members only soundboard, the members only town halls and so many other great things. You can sign up at joinpacman.com with the coupon code Save Democracy 
24. We looked at Nikki Haley's concession speech in New Hampshire, which sounded like a victory speech. We now are going to look at Donald Trump's victory speech in New Hampshire, which sounded like a list of grievances. Donald Trump, during his victory speech, threatened Nikki Haley with some kind of vague blackmail, suggested that the governor of New Hampshire is on drugs and generally gave what Rachel Maddow coyly described as an unusual, an unusual speech. Here is Trump not pleased, of course, with Chris Sununu, the Republican governor of New Hampshire, because he did not endorse Trump and Trump suggesting that he is uh, using drugs, using uppers of some kind. You have the you have the very the now very unpopular governor of this state. This guy, he's got to be on something. I've never seen anybody with energy. He's like a uh, hopscotch. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching this guy and two weeks ago, he said, we're going to win. We're going to win in the land side. We're going to win about three days ago. So I said, well, we want to do well. That's a big difference. Trump now, you know, when I hear Trump get obsessed with something and right now it's uppers, it's the idea that people are getting energy shots, that they're on something. He said it about Biden uh, last week. He now said it about Chris Sununu. When I see Trump fixate on accusing others of something for which there's no evidence, I start to assume Trump's actually the one doing it. And we've talked before about upper Trump and downer Trump, not proof of anything, not proof of anything, but Trump's fixation on others getting uppers to me raises questions about whether it's actually Trump who's getting them. Trump also. And this is very ugly, very ugly. Trump threatens Nikki Haley. Trump says if Nikki Haley doesn't drop out, she's going to be under investigation. And I already know five different things about her for which she could be investigated. What is Trump talking about? He is openly threatening the lone remaining candidate against him in this prime renovation. These are very dishonest people and you're always fighting them. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. But if and by the way, look at as Trump issues this threat, Look at Vivek Ramaswamy behind Trump. Vivek seems unable to feel shame and to realize that he is sacrificing his dignity. It almost seems when Trump threatens Nikki here that Vivek starts feeling just the tinge of discomfort. He did. She would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already. Uh oh. Not big reasons. A little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about, but she will be under investigation within minutes. And so would Ron have been. But he decided (laughs) to get out. He decided to get out. Now, this is the only time I've seen Vivek Ramaswamy actually seem to acknowledge through his facial expressions that he's part of something really ugly here, like really genuinely very, very ugly, ugly. Uh, MSNBC cut away from Trump's speech. Rachel Maddow absolutely hilariously describing this as an unusual speech during which, of course, Trump also lied about his track record in New Hampshire. Vivek, one minute or less. Go do it, Vivek. What we saw tonight giving Donald Trump giving an an, an unusual victory speech um, in New Hampshire. (laughs) 
um, in which uh, he initially, at the outset of his remarks, said that he had won New Hampshire both not only previous primaries, but had won in previous general elections. He lost both in 2016 and in 2020 in the New Hampshire uh, general election contests. Um, he then reiterated that and then handed over his victory speech to Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, after saying we don't need to talk about Tim Scott, and by the way, he got engaged, and that's more important than any of this, and then we did one. So He seemed to suggest also that the governor of New Hampshire is on some sort of drug. <laughs> he said, I don't know what he's on. Baseless. The governor, which, yeah. which I think is utterly baseless, just to be clear. Yeah, that is, it's, it's important just to clarify that. Certainly, uh, I, I love the understated uh, mention of it being an unusual speech. That is absolutely true. And then finally here, here is Donald Trump just furious with Nikki Haley. How dare she not get out? I mean, she has no path to be totally frank. She has no path. But Trump's disdain for anybody who has the will to challenge him. Uh, and you can hear people yelling bird brain in the background about Nikki Haley. And she ran up when it was seven. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. <laughs> and I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. And then I looked at the polls. He was talking about most winability, who's going to win. And I had one put up. I don't know if you see it, but I have one put up. We've won almost every single poll in the last three months against crooked Joe Biden. Almost every poll. And she doesn't win those polls. And she doesn't win those. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody Anyway, so, you know, Trump is not right that he wins every poll against Biden and Nikki doesn't. There are plenty of hypothetical polls in which Trump and DeSantis and Nikki Haley were leading Joe Biden. There's polls where Joe Biden is leading all of them. So certainly an unusual victory speech filled with grievances, filled with attacks, filled with threats and baseless allegations that other politicians are on drugs. Let's now get a sampling of some of the individuals we're going down to the ground level. We started at the 30,000 foot. We're going down to the ground level. Some of the individuals who voted for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, but are not voting for Trump if he is ultimately the nominee. The vast majority of the Republican primary electorate will vote Trump if whoever they support loses. We know that from polling, but I want to show you some videos of the individuals who decided yesterday in New Hampshire they are voting in the primary, but they're voting for Nikki Haley and not Donald Trump. These people really hate Donald Trump. And to the extent that this is a slice of the electorate, again, this represents a problem for Trump, not now, but in the general election. And as we watch these clips of individual New Hampshire voters telling us why they voted Haley, why they wouldn't vote Trump, what we have to consider is how big is this slice of the electorate? I have three friends, personal friends who were Nikki supporters who will not vote Trump in November. How many of them are there? Here's one. Anything but Trump. <laughs> that was your priority. That's my priority. Is that the biggest reason you supported Nikki Haley? Yeah, I'd say. Because of Donald Trump? Yes. Yeah. And I have no problem with the ladies running things. I have one here. 
and this gentleman standing apparently next to his wife as he delivers this statement. You know, after the break, we will talk about Trump saying, I don't really think I need Nikki Haley's supporters. The unfortunate reality for Trump is that as there are now a bunch of states in which Nikki Haley is polling 20, 30, 35 percent, if states are going to be close in November, states like Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Trump very well may need Nikki Haley supporters and you will see Trump's disdain for them after the break. But here's one guy who says, I'm not voting Trump. That's for sure. Here is another voter in New Hampshire explaining why did you come out to vote for Nikki Haley today? If I can pry, can I ask who you voted for? I voted for Nikki Haley. Why do you make that decision? Um, anything to keep Donald Trump out. Um, are you a Republican or undeclared? I'm not, I'm undeclared. But I actually just changed today for a Republican just to vote. Have you ever voted in a Republican primary before? No, this is the first one. Um, and, and why did you think it was so important to do that this time? Um, I am completely against Donald Trump and everything he stands for. Anything I can do to keep him out. Now, this is the type of voter that Trump doesn't care about. These are not legitimate voters in his mind. He has actually said, you know, New Hampshire lets anybody who wants to vote in the Republican primary. Yeah, that's I mean, many states have what's called an open primary. That's true. And Trump said these aren't even really Republicans who are voting for Nikki Haley. The problem with this approach and the disdain and contempt for the Haley supporters is that in November, Trump will almost certainly need their votes. Here is another Nikki Haley voter saying his conscience would not let him vote Trump. Can I ask why? Why Nikki Haley? You, you can, because my conscience won't allow me to vote for a criminal. I'm sorry. And, and what has led you to vote for Haley instead? What do you like about Haley? What are some of the attributes that drew you to her? She's not Trump. There you go. She is simply not Donald Trump. And then lastly, this is a very interesting conversation with a 74 year old woman that took place on CNN explaining, I previously voted Trump. Uh, I want a democracy. I want a democracy for my children. And therefore, I cannot vote for Donald Trump. Tell me who you voted for and, and why. Well, I voted for Nikki Haley because I was voting against Donald Trump. And what what propelled you to get to this point? I want to. I'm 74 years old. I've lived in a constitutional democracy all my life. I want to remain that way, and I want my grandchildren to grow up in one, and, not a dictatorship. And I'm curious. Over the last two elections, um, mm -hmm. have you voted Trump in the past? Was it something where you voted for him, you trusted him, and you were disappointed? Yes, I voted for him in 2016. I am a registered Republican, and I. I regretted that vote almost immediately, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, especially on his trip to Europe where he insulted our allies and praised Putin. <clears throat> and then in 2020, was that enough for you to change your vote to Joe Biden? Yes, absolutely. Why did you feel the need to, to cross party lines? Because I want the world to be a safe place. I believe in a strong NATO. My father fought in World War II to defeat fascism, and I wanted to remain defeated. Now, I am not under the delusion that these folks are the majority of the Republican electorate. In fact, we know that they're not. We have exit polling from New Hampshire, which showed us that half of those people who voted yesterday do not believe Joe Biden really won in 2020. So this is a sick party with a lot of sick people in it. But the question is, when the margins will be small, are there enough folks like this Republican grandmother 
who are going to say no to Trump. She already voted Biden over Trump in 2020. She's saying she will do it again. Are there enough of these folks that they will deny Donald Trump a victory in November because so much is riding on it for his part? Donald Trump is doing nothing, truly nothing to try to appeal to these folks after the break. You will see that. Sometimes it can be tough to maintain an emotional connection with your significant other. You might work in different places at different times. There might be a kid in the way. It can be hard to find time for date nights, especially because kids demand so much attention, which is why I love our sponsor paired, which is the app for couples. The app will prompt you with a daily question or a game or a guided conversation, all designed by leading psychologists. And the point is to just have a deeper connection with your partner, boost intimacy, build a deeper knowledge of one another. My girlfriend and I will use the prompts on paired throughout the day to stay connected. For instance, we answered a prompt about what we remember most from the early days of the relationship. It really helps us learn new things and there can be funny moments as well. An independent study found that couples using paired saw 36 percent increase in the quality of their relationship and giving a paired subscription as a gift is also a really great idea. You can try it free for seven days and get 25 percent off a subscription. Go to paired.com slash Pacman. That's P-A-I-R-E-D.com slash Pacman for a free trial and 25 percent off. The link is in the podcast notes. If you're struggling with anxiety or depression, uh, you're certainly not alone. Millions of Americans are searching for ways to just feel better. Many feel they've exhausted every option. They don't know where to turn. If that sounds like you, then guided ketamine therapy from Mindbloom could be a game changer. Our sponsor Mindbloom can help you potentially feel better faster. I've been reading about ketamine therapy and ketamine treatment for a long time for depression and anxiety. We've done interviews about it on the show. There are many promising studies and Mindbloom is the leader in ketamine therapy. They've helped tens of thousands of people overcome anxiety and depression. Mindbloom's expert clinicians and guides can help you feel better and quickly, not weeks or months. And you can complete treatment entirely from the comfort of your home. In a study of over a thousand Mindbloom clients, 89% reported improvements in anxiety and depression after just four sessions. And now Mindbloom has new programs that go beyond just depression and anxiety. To overcome life's everyday challenges, Mindbloom is offering my audience $100 off your first six session program when you sign up at mindbloom.com slash Pacman and use the promo code Pacman. Break free from the anxiety, the depression, feel better with Mindbloom. That's M I N D B L O O M dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for $100. The info is in the podcast notes before the break. We heard from a number of Nikki Haley supporters from New Hampshire who said under no circumstances would they vote for Donald Trump. And to a great degree, their vote for Nikki Haley was more of an anti Trump vote than it was a a vote in favor of Nikki Haley. One would think that looking at this, even anecdotally, Donald Trump would realize when states are as close as they were in 2020, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, etc., you need to make sure that you are giving a message that tells Nikki Haley supporters you welcome them 
Trump did very much the opposite. He was interviewed yesterday about Nikki Haley voters. This was in New Hampshire in advance of learning the results. And Trump with visible, palpable contempt and disdain for Nikki Haley supporters saying, I don't even think we need them. Oh, they'll all vote for me. How do you again. bring them back into the table? They're going to all vote for me again. They're going to all vote for me again, everybody. And I'm not sure we need too many. I'm not sure we need too many. So, first of all, you know, talk about unity. The election may well come down to the slice of Republican voters that didn't vote Trump in the primary, or they stayed home to avoid voting Trump. And then they have to make a decision in the general election. Do they uh, uh, vote for Trump? Do they stay home? Do they vote for Joe Biden? This is a very risky move for Donald Trump. We actually have very interesting polling data here, and this is a little hard to see, but I'm going to do my best to explain it for you. Among Nikki Haley primary voters, among Nikki Haley primary voters, okay? And this is in, hold on, is this only in New Hampshire? Let me see. This is New Hampshire. So this, this could be different in other states. Nikki Haley voters said if Nikki isn't the nominee, 38 percent would vote DeSantis and only 16 percent would vote Trump in the general, while 30 percent don't know what they would do or they would stay home. Compare this with DeSantis primary voters, DeSantis primary voters, 62 percent said if DeSantis isn't the nominee, I will vote Trump. Nikki Haley's supporters, when they are 44 percent of the electorate and only 16 percent of those would vote Trump in the general if he is the nominee, that is a mathematical problem for Donald Trump. Now, I don't believe for a second that the numbers are the same in every state. I think if you go to, you know, I don't know, Missouri and you say, hey, Nikki Haley supporters, what will you do if she's not the nominee? I assume more than 16 percent will say, well, Trump would would be my my second choice. But Trump's contempt and disdain for Nikki Haley supporters in New Hampshire seems very much at your own risk. Remember, Trump already lost New Hampshire in the general in 2020, 2016. I don't I think he lost it in 2016 as well. Uh, I believe that's what Rachel Maddow said. So the idea that Trump isn't going to need these other Republican primary voters when his support among that group is much lower than it was in 2020. Very, very risky move. Eric Trump was interviewed yesterday in advance of the New Hampshire primary on ABC. He was asked directly about Donald Trump's scary cognitive event the other day, during which Trump blamed Nikki Haley for failing to provide capital security on January 6, 2021. And Eric Trump completely short circuits. So two aspects to this story that I think are important. Number one, the Trump cognitive story has gone completely mainstream. This is an ABC News interview with one of Trump's sons on the day of the New Hampshire primary, and she chooses to ask about Trump's cognitive issues. That's number one. Number two, the way in which Eric Trump completely short circuits and multiple times doesn't answer the question doesn't particularly inspire confidence. Uh, Haley, as I imagine you know, has said a few times now, the race is down to one fella and one lady, and that two 80-year-olds should not be running for office. On, on the trail this weekend, uh, your dad appeared to confuse Haley for Nancy Pelosi. How do you explain this confusion uh, when he said Haley was in charge of security at the Capitol on January 6th? My father's an incredible man. Uh, he's incredible, he's bright, he's got more energy than any person I know. He
OK, I have to stop it here. I'm going to play the whole word salad, but I must call your attention to the fact that the reporter asked about something that is absolutely vital. Trump won't stop stop talking about Biden's cognitive state, accuses Biden of being on drugs, etc. Trump is visibly confused at every rally and he looks terrible. Eric Trump is asked about it directly and he spits out a word salad that has nothing to do with the question. He runs circles and I think you know this too because you have teams of people around him every single day. He runs circles around the media. He runs circles around people that are third his age. He's, he's a remarkable human being. Um, he's got the brains. He's got the toughness uh, to do the job. He'll do the job better than any human being. And, and we need somebody to do that job. But we need toughness right now. We need a fighter in the Oval Office. He's a remarkable man. He's at the top of his game. And it might sound like something was cut out of this because it's so jarring how he's not answering the question. But this this is his answer to the question that was asked. And she'll try again now. Uh, and again, as a son, I'm incredibly proud of him. Uh, understood. Uh, but I do want to go back to that moment, because, as you know, Haley is really saying that this is an issue of his mental fitness. Right. You know, I have parents who are now 78 and, and they do have some some questions sometimes or confusion sometimes. And I I do think that it is a legitimate point of hers to say this is a really big issue if you're confusing me with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Lindsay, in all fairness, I mean, my father just beat her by 31 points in Iowa. Uh, and of course, the results of Iowa don't have anything to do with Trump's cognitive state. He's going to beat her again tonight. Um, you know, she forgot to put her name on a on a ballot on a you know on a caucus in in Nevada. I wouldn't exactly say that was uh, you know um, using the breast of her the breast brain power um, to say the least. But um, you know, we can stop with those games. I think this race is going to be over tonight. Um, my father's a remarkable person. He's done great things for this country. He's the last person. Um, that needs to be doing this job. He does it because he, he cares about red, white and blue. Um, his life would be exponentially better if he was sitting at Mar-a-Lago uh, with his grandkids having a great time. Uh, he wants to save our nation. Our nation is a nation in decline. Everybody sees it. Trump has spread discredited questions about Nikki Haley's eligibility to be president. All right. Now they move on to something else. Uh, this doesn't inspire confidence. OK, I would much rather from a strategic standpoint, I, it's all dishonest. OK, let me be clear. But from a strategic standpoint, if I were Eric Trump and I wanted to convey confidence rather than not even addressing the substance of the question two times, I would just do what Trump does and lie and go, listen, he aced his multiple dementia tests. He would beat uh, Nikki Haley in a dementia, like say the stupid stuff that at least projects some strength because completely ignoring the question multiple times only makes it sound like indeed this is a serious question. And Lindsey Davis from ABC is right. She's asking what is a critical question. What is Trump's mental state? He regularly thinks he ran against Obama. He regularly mistakes people around him. He constantly is slurring and looks disoriented and confused. This is a critical question and Eric Trump refuses to answer it and it only raises even more questions. Let's uh, let's look at something completely different now. Um, this clip was sent to me by about a dozen of you uh, yesterday in another attack on DEI programs, diversity, equity and inclusion, and in an attack on wokeness, et cetera. Right wing um, organizer, I guess I would call him Charlie Kirk, said that when he gets on an airplane and he sees a black pilot. Folks, he says he sees a black pilot. He's worried about whether the pilot is actually qualified. Now, this comes after Charlie Kirk questioned 
the worth of Martin Luther King Day. Let's take a listen to it and then let's discuss. And that's why I think this United story and the DEI story hits so hard because we've all been in the back of a plane when the turbulence hits or when you're flying through a storm and you're like, I'm so glad I saw the guy with the right stuff and the square jaw get into the cockpit before we took off. And I feel better now. Thank you. No, I mean, like, you want to go thought crime? Like, I'm sorry. If I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. Well, that's the you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have. You wouldn't have done that before. That's not an immediate. No, you wouldn't have done that before. That's not who I am. That's not what I believe. It is the reality. It it actually sounds like it is. This is the movement that he has inspired. Now, I've heard similar stuff about female pilots, and often it starts with "I'm sorry, but." When you hear "I'm sorry, but," it's very often something horribly sexist, racist, or xenophobic that's coming. Now, there's a couple different aspects to this. The reality is that there is a long history of excellence in flight among black Americans. You look up the history of chief pilots at airlines. I and I, it feels stupid to even do this part of the story because it's almost like we're arguing the facts. And this is actually about ideology. This isn't really that he's obviously wrong on the facts. Now, I hate to tell Charlie and maybe his his cohorts here who feel the same way. Um, because of the pilot shortages that have been experienced by airlines, the standards have dropped in general. It's not about race. It's not about gender. It's not about affirmative action. The pilot shortage, which has been driven by factors including retirement and attrition and also growth in air travel, meaning there are more flights for which pilots are needed. It's been a strain on the aviation industry. And so there have been all sorts of waivers and exemptions issued by major airlines uh, as well as regional airlines to try to bring pilots up sooner than previously they might have been able to. Now, I don't want to get specific about flight hours because oftentimes the flight hour requirement isn't changing on paper, but there are waivers and accelerations and different things that that uh, can be finagled and, and maneuvered. Um, college degrees at one point where yes, you got to have a college degree. It's still advantageous, but there's more flexibility on college degrees as well when it comes to airline pilots. So there is a real story if you want to, to have the conversation um, about uh, the ways in which the pilot shortage has affected aviation. But this I see a black pilot and I worry stuff is really the worst of the brain rot. Now, I, I I don't know why I feel it necessary to mention this. I don't think it's out of line. And this is not what Charlie Kirk is doing. I don't think it's out of line to have a serious conversation about how so-called wokeness and DEI programs, which did so much good and were were well intentioned in their origins, can go too far or can go wrong. And I think examples of this include the disastrous congressional hearing in which three college presidents all refused to say you can't call for the genocide of Jews on campus. Right. We can find ways. And this often happens with worthwhile movements. The origins and the catalysts for what the right describes as wokeness for what are often called diversity, equity and inclusion programs. It was a great origin story. It has accomplished important things when it comes to 
furthering gender equality and fixing real issues that existed in this country. And also, it's a disappointing thing that very often a sliver of the proponents of some of these movements, they go too far and things get wacky. Charlie Kirk saying, I worry whether my black pilot is qualified is very much outside the bounds of what we're talking about here. So disgusting stuff, not super surprising stuff from Charlie Kirk. If you could use a little help meeting your weight loss goal for 2024, give our sponsor PhD Weight Loss a call. They've been doing some amazing things for people. They make the weight loss journey simple. They do one on one coaching with their certified team of compassionate, encouraging dietitians. PhD weight loss helps real people get results through lifestyle modification based on protocols from successful clinical trials. You get an initial consultation, you review your history, your lifestyle, your goals, your goals. You create a customized plan of action. It includes food and lifestyle. And then their team of dietitians and counselors are at your disposal every step of the way. If weight loss is something you're working on, check out PhD weight loss. No severe calorie restriction, no medications, pills or supplements, unsustainable exercise routines, none of that stuff. PhD weight loss has an approach that focuses on behavioral change, nutrition education, and they take an overarching holistic approach to your body and habits. You can learn more about PhD weight loss at myphdweightloss.com. Then call for a consultation at 864-644-1900 and mention the David Pakman show to get a week of the program totally free. Again, you can learn more at myphdweightloss.com. Then call 864-644-1900 for a consultation and mention my show to get a week for free. The info is in the podcast notes. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it really should be simple, simple. That's why for years now I've been drinking a G one every day. It's just one scoop mixed with water once a day, and it gives me the foundational nutritional elements I want for the whole day. Each serving of a G one gives me what I want in terms of vitamins, minerals and more. It's just a simple habit. I know that with AG one, I'm getting high quality nutrition. The ingredients are sourced for nutrient density and absorption. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG one, try AG one and get a free one year supply of vitamin D three and K two plus five free AG one travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash Pacman. That's drink a G the number one dot com slash Pacman for free vitamin D three and K two and five free travel packs of AG one. The link is in the podcast notes. I want to follow up on a story that we talked about some time ago when this took place. Do you remember the man who killed a 20 year old woman when she mistakenly pulled into his driveway uh, to turn around. He has been convicted of murder. And I believe that this is a very, very important verdict. The uh, Washington Post reports a man who killed a 20 year old woman in a car that mistakenly pulled into his driveway last year 
was convicted of second degree murder. This happened April 15th, almost a year ago. Kevin Monahan fatally shot Kaylin Gillis when she and her friends accidentally pulled into his driveway. This was in upstate New York. They were looking for a friend's house. A jury found the 66 year old Monahan guilty of second degree murder as well as reckless endangerment in the first degree. There has not yet been sentencing. Prosecutors are seeking the maximum sentence for the murder, which is 25 years to life. Sentencing will take place on March 1st. Uh, the story is Gillis and three others were driving around. Uh, they mistakenly drove onto Monahan's driveway. They realized their mistake, began to back out, began to back out, and ultimately, uh, Monahan came out and fired two shots. One shot hit Gillis. This was part of a spate of incidents in which people were shot after shot at after mistakenly approaching someone they didn't know. Two days before Gillis was killed, there was the Ralph Yarl story. That's the 16 year old black boy shot and injured in Kansas City, Missouri. When he went to the wrong house, 84 year old white man Andrew Lester was charged with felony assault and armed criminal action, pleaded not guilty. There was also the story of a man in South Florida shooting the car of a 19 year old delivery driver and his girlfriend when they drove on his property. And then days after Gillis was killed, two cheerleaders were shot in Elgin, Texas, after one mistakenly got in the wrong car in a grocery store parking lot. I believe it's really important to take these situations very seriously, very, very seriously. And a lot of these uh, folks and gun rights advocates, particularly in certain states, based on how uh, standard ground laws are written or the so-called castle doctrine will argue, hey, once you're on my property, all rules are off. I am entitled to assume that you are posing a threat to my livelihood or that of my family. I can go out there. I can use lethal force. I can use deadly force. This is, of course, a complete perversion, even in states with so-called standard ground laws and, and the castle doctrine. Even in those states, if someone is in their vehicle in your driveway, that is not a reasonable situation in which you would open fire in any way. And it is a good thing. It is a good thing that these cases are being taken seriously. Now, will this guy get 25 to life? Even 25 years, of course, at age 66 has the potential uh, to be a life sentence. I don't know. And because I actually am a defender of law and order, I don't go around saying lock this person up, lock that person up. Uh, what I want is due process. Due process took place here. The individual was found guilty. Now there will be sentencing guidelines uh, that will uh, uh, guide the judge. The request from prosecutors is 25 to life. And what what I want is what this guy deserves. And it's not up to me to decide. It's up to the judge to decide. But it's not about throwing the book at people. It's not about disproportionately targeting individuals because they own guns. It's not about any of those things. It's about the justice system having an interest in reducing this sort of proactive, aggressive vigilantism is really what it is when a 20 year old pulls into your driveway and by the way, is already backing out. It's not, you know, they pulled into my driveway and they were wearing ski masks and it was dark and they were there for 15 minutes and I saw them with binoculars looking into my house. And even in that situation, when they're still sitting in the car, you can't go and open fire. This young lady was pulling out of the driveway and she was shot and killed. So 
based on the facts that are public, it seems like it was the right verdict. Ultimately, it was up to the jury. The jury has decided and we've got to take these cases very seriously, because if we don't, if we don't. And this is similar to the January 6th rioters. If we don't take these cases seriously, it will embolden others to do more of the same thing. And we just can't have that. And so that, you know, aside from Trump says he's for law and order, but then says he'll release the January 6th convicts and the January 6th defendants. Aside from that not being law and order, when if you do that, if and when Trump does that or tries to do it, it sends the message. If you do it again, I'll get you out of prison. I'll get you out of jail. I'll get you out of trouble. We can't do that if we are actually a country that defends and supports law and order. Fox News and MAGA and right wingers are in shambles as the stock market has yet again, yet again hit a record high. This was two days ago on Monday. Once again, as we are recording, the Dow is up another hundred points and it is really interesting and funny to see. Here is Neil Cavuto on Fox News. No choice but to acknowledge watching something that you might have noticed in the corner of your screen here. The Dow has never been higher than this thirty eight thousand. It eclipsed that level in the closing minutes of the trading day. That is a new record. Uh, S&P 500 also hitting a record technology stocks. Remember those magnificent seven technology stocks? Even more magnificent right now. The wind at their proverbial back is an improvement on the interest rate front and the notion that we have again found this sweet spot where the Federal Reserve will still cut interest rates. The devil is in the details and exactly when. But the growing betting is an election year where the Dow and the major markets typically run up seven to eight percent. That is on top of what you're seeing now that it will continue. Yeah. Now, I don't believe that the stock market is the economy. I don't even believe that presidents have that much to do with the stock market. They can affect general economic conditions, but much, much of it depends on global circumstances, business cycles and other things. What I want is the hypocrisy to stop. Here is Sean Hannity when under Trump, there was an all time high in the stock market. So in spite of vicious media attacks and many political obstacles, well, 2017 was a very successful first year for President Trump. Now, before we get to the full list that the media will never show you, well, let's take a look at the economy. Stock market is at an all time high and hit over 60 record closes in 2017 alone. All right. Very similarly, we right now have a stock market at an all time high with endless record closes in 2023 and 2024 alone. What does Hannity have to say now, though, about the stock market? Because remember, it's no longer his buddy Trump in the White House. It's Joe Biden. Well, he's singing a very different tune. Uh, they certainly can't point to any success that is uh, remarkable that would warrant another four years in office. Uh, after all, we pretty much only had nothing but wreckage. Uh, here's Biden. You know, no question our economic plan is is working and wages are up and household wealth is up and the inflation continues to fall. Listen to him. Wages are up. Household wealth is up, not only for middle class Americans, for Latinos, for black Americans, for minorities. Costs are still too high, but inflation continues to fall and mortgage rates are falling. and They're going to fall more. Last week, we learned that America filed 16 million, 16 million in America, 16 million new applications for businesses, for a new business since I became president. Folks, that's a record. Every single one of those new small businesses is an act of hope. 
Yeah, well, he's, what he's not telling you is home sales are the slowest in 29 years. Now, stocks did hit an all-time high. What did we learn last week is that the stock market impacts 8% of Americans. Oh. It does not impact the other 92%. It's one of the main reasons I've never used it as any any kind of real barometer in terms of the health of our economy. You haven't? What about every month under Trump? Um, and, you know, this thing can come tumbling down just as quickly as it went up. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we have the receipts and Sean Hannity regularly, regularly including stock market highs as accomplishments for Donald Trump. Uh, just as a, you know, we can look at one other one of these. This one's from 2017. We care about the forgotten men and women in this country, people in poverty on food stamps out of work. Now, despite the Senate's inability to pass laws and approve the president's picks, well, the president, he's working at the speed of Trump and has for the last 10 months to get things done. And of course, members of the lazy destroy Trump media are. And then on the screen behind him is, of course, stock market at an all time high. You know, I don't need anyone to believe that presidents determine how well the stock market does. I just need the endless hypocrisy and double standards to stop. And I make every effort on this show when we talk about gas prices, when we talk about the stock market, when we talk about all of these things, presidents have some influence on the environment, but these factors depend on so much more. When you allege that Joe Biden will be such a disaster that the stock market will crash like 1929, which is what Trump said, and then you get an all time high. It's also important to show that the doom and gloom about Democratic policy doesn't actually hurt the stock market either. Those are the important things. Whatever blame or credit you attribute to presidents for the stock market or the economy is a different story. But these are transparent hypocrites and their audiences don't care. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. You can call morning, afternoon or night or even 3 a.m. as many people do. Here is a caller who courageously passed a dementia test the other day. Listen to this. Hey, David, it's Joel, a sustaining member from Florida. Thank you. Funny story for you. A few weeks ago, I had a very bad cold. I went to the Minute Clinic. I guess since I started Medicare back in November, uh, the nurse said to me, I'm going to give you three words and you need to remember them and repeat it for me at the end of the appointment. Looked at my wife who was in the thing and I said, I'm going to ace this one. Sure enough. 27 minutes later at the end, she asked me for the words and I aced it. What a great feeling. Also, uh, regarding Trump and the teleprompter, Pete Davidson had a uh, clip that when Trump was on SNL years ago, basically said he can't read. He can't read the cue cards and uh, he messed up something like uh, saying calling his daughter a turkey neck instead of saying turkey leg instead of saying we're going for turkey. I've heard that Pete Davidson story. Yeah, that Trump Trump really can't read. Well, listen, I congratulate this gentleman for passing the dementia test. He remembered the three words 27 minutes later. Uh, and listen, I think he should challenge Nikki Haley as well. They, we everybody should just be taking dementia tests all the time. You really can never be too careful. We have such a great bonus show coming up today. We are going to talk about a bipartisan proposal in Ohio to combat absenteeism in schools 
wherein kids would be paid to go to school. Very interesting. Oregon Democrats have unveiled a bill to recriminalize drug possession. What recriminalize after making progress? And Massachusetts has banned the declawing of cats. How will cat lover producer Pat feel about this? We will discuss all of these stories and more when I am joined by producer Pat on the bonus show. I invite you. I encourage you. I implore you to get yourself a membership at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code save democracy 24. The party doesn't have to end now. You could be moving right on to watching or listening to the bonus show. But otherwise, we'll be back tomorrow with a new program.